Okay, so we are in week three of this series, which is called Turning Points, and each week we're talking about uh, different characters from the Bible, different people who faced turning points, and how each of us will face different turning points in our lives, a lot of them, and some of you are getting close to the turning point of deciding where to go to college or deciding what to do after high school. Uh, sometimes it's something as simple as, do I want to play this sport, do I want to take this job, uh, what should I do with this relationship, etc., but there are always different turning points. And so before I go on, I want to make sure, like I said last week, um, when I was called to ministry, I didn't understand the call. I understood what it was saying, what God was saying, but I didn't understand how that would work because I was terrified of public speaking because I just didn't know, like, I can't, I can't go back to college for four years. This is my senior year in college. It's like, I don't know how this works. Uh, and so I went to grad school and I did that. I worked in the government for a while, secret stuff, don't worry about it. Uh, I was a reporter for a while. Like, I did all these things, but I kept seeking after God. So even though I wasn't following my call at the time, it wasn't like, Jonah, where I'm like, I refuse. It's like, I don't understand this. God, make it clear. And over time, he made it clear, and he pulled me back in. He kept opening the door. So what I will say as we go in, there is no point where any decision is like the end for you. You always have a chance to make it right. You always have a chance to, to be forgiven. You always have a chance to get better. Just always be looking towards God as you go forward. And so one of the things, just to go to college for a second, uh, one of the things that as you get into your senior year, junior year, whenever you start looking at it, uh, it can be really stressful, like, what should I major in? Is this the college I should go to? What should I do? And it's like if I, there's this feeling of, if I don't get this right, the rest of my life is over. That, that's not how it works. Now, it's an important decision, but God will never be like, oh, sorry, you did the wrong thing. You're done forever. You got to go sit at McDonald's, not work there. Just sit there all the time. Uh, no, you can't even eat. Uh, it's like he will keep, as long as you seek him, he will keep putting people and things in your path to help you. You just have to keep listening. And so we've talked uh, about the first week about the blind beggar, the guy who was blind and, and called out to Jesus. And that was a turning point because as soon as he called out to Jesus, everybody around him is like, dude, shut up. Leave him alone. Don't talk. It's none of your business. Like he doesn't want to talk to you. All of this stuff. And so often in our lives, other people are like, you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. You're not good enough for that. Uh, you shouldn't go there. Who cares about church? Like whatever else they're saying. And we get so caught up in what other people are saying, sometimes we let that shake us. But the turning point is that he ignored them. It doesn't mean that it didn't hurt him. It doesn't mean that he didn't start doubting himself, but he didn't doubt Jesus. And so he called out again and said, heal me. And what did Jesus do? Jesus healed him. And so that was a big turning point in his life. Uh, last week, we talked about Moses and how he had murdered someone, which is a turning point, a bad one, where he made the wrong decision. Don't murder people. Uh, and so he murdered someone and then ran away. Uh, he ran away because he couldn't face it. Again, that's the wrong thing too. So he compounded the wrong thing with the wrong thing um, where he should have faced consequences. He should have gotten forgiveness. He should have paid for whatever he did and gone with it, but he ran away. And while he's gone, you know, he builds his life and then he sees a bush burning. And we know the story of the burning bush. It doesn't burn anything around it, but he sees it and he feels that it's God and God talks to him. And there's another turning point because he could have kept running. He could have said, oh, no, he's after me. i got to go again. i got to move another zip code or whatever. Uh, but he didn't. He said, God, what do you want? And then, you know, he even while God is calling him to free his people, he's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And God's like, dude, I'm with you. And Aaron can speak for you, but you have to lead. And he gave him what he needed to because that's another important thing. God will never call you to anything and then be like, ah, call me in six months and let me know how it goes. He goes with you. He calls you. 
but then he prepares you and goes with you. Uh, Jenna, who we said was going to speak in a couple weeks, she's been called to ministry. He didn't say, hey, Jenna, I want you to be a minister, and then, you know, let me know how that goes later. Like, it goes, he's with her every day. Same for me. Uh, the other adults in the room can say, like, whatever it is, whether it's called to being a parent, whether it's called to uh, being a teacher, called to uh, working at Kroger, which is inferior to Walmart, called to whatever else uh, you're called to, it, God will be like, hey, I'm calling you to this, but I'm also going to prepare you. I'm also going to be with you. Um, it's just like if you're drafted in the NFL draft. Like, let's say the Lions draft Ben in a couple years. And you're like, they're going to draft Ben to be the new quarterback. And they're going to draft him. Listen, it can't get any worse for them. Uh, they're going to draft Ben, and then they're going to prepare him. They're not just going to be like, hey, Ben, you know, week one, come here and be ready. It's like they're going to prepare him each and every day, and they're going to work him hard. And so that's what God does. Like, he prepares us. He's with us. And so this week, I want to go into um, someone who made the wrong decision. Even though he made a lot of right decisions, someone who made the wrong decision and how that turning point affected other people because our, our lives sometimes have consequences for others. And so this is from 2 Samuel 11, uh, 1 through 17. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. So I'm going to stop here. Um, if you know where this is story, story is going, ignore that. Because if what I want you to do, and this is what I remind the adults sometimes, I'm going to remind you guys. Um, often we hear the same stories in the Bible or we read the same scriptures or you know, people preach on the same things. And so we, we're like, we kind of get in and we're like, oh yeah, I know how this goes. Like if you read uh, your favorite book, let's say The Odyssey by Homer. Yeah. Uh, sure, that's one for everybody. Like you're reading The Odyssey and you know how it goes, you know how everything works. And so you're like, ah, I don't need to pay that much attention. But more important is the Bible. So like these stories, these are real people. And so even if it's something that you've heard a million times, like the Christmas story or the Easter story, there's always new things that, you can, that God can speak to you through those. And so this is one that some of you may know, some of you may not, but just don't skip ahead. But this point right here is a major turning point because as of right now, David has done nothing wrong. Uh, David is at a turning point for his life. He's the king. Uh, he has wives. Um, and so he sees someone taking a bath on the roof, which is kind of weird. It's not something we see anymore, uh, hopefully, but it's still something that he saw, and he noticed that she's beautiful. Again, he has done nothing wrong yet, but he has a turning point, because there's a lot of ways this can go. Uh, he can decide to go talk to her. He can decide to find out about her. He can decide to walk away. Whatever it is, he's at a turning point for his life. Um, I've talked about this before. I'll talk about it other times. Uh, we often feel guilty when we're tempted by something. So this is an interesting story that might be scary, but it's not meant to be. So last night, uh, I was not in a great place, and I had awful dreams. Uh, it was not helped by some people, but it was, I had awful dreams. Uh, and they were not related to anything. It was just, well, not, this is where it might get scary. So I had these awful dreams. And uh, in the dream, I had murdered someone and covered it up. And this was a long time ago. This was in a dream. Listen, this is in a dream. It's nobody. Nobody was in the dream. But I had, I woke up. This is my point. I woke up with this feeling of guilt. Like, I can't believe that I've done, like I had this feeling of guilt, even though I hadn't done anything. 
Uh, it was just a dream. It was just a random thing that happens. I don't know what happened. I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed, so it's probably related to that. But anyway, I, I woke up and I felt this guilt. I felt this guilt. I felt this guilt horribly this morning. And, you know, I woke up and I'm like, I can't believe it. And I'm like, wait a second, I've never murdered anybody. And then I started to feel guilt about everything else I've ever done. I started to be like, maybe I'm feeling bad about this. Maybe I'm feeling bad about this. My point is, uh, we often do that with temptation. Like, we'll think the wrong thought or we'll... Uh, think bad about someone, or will uh, feel the wrong thoughts towards people, or whatever. Like, we're tempted by something. Tempted to do something. Tempted to give in on something. Tempted to steal something. Tempted to whatever. And we'll feel guilty from that, as if we've given in. Um, but that temptation is not a sin. Giving in to that is a sin. One of the things I say a lot, um, you can't control a bird landing on your head. Uh, it's going to happen. You can try to stop it, but if a bird wants to land on your head, it's going to land on your head. But you can do something about whether or not it nests there. Like you can move it, you can get a new hat, something. You can move it away. That's the same thing with thoughts, with temptations. You are human, and so you can't control that first thought, that first, first temptation. But you can stop it from nesting there. You can be like, oh, I, can't, I shouldn't think like this. I need to move past this. I need to, to just get this thought away. Uh, it's the same thing when you meet anyone new. You're going to have a snap judgment. You just are because we see people, we have these things in our head, and we're going to have snap judgments. That's not bad. It's holding on to that and being, never letting the person outlive it or never letting the person change from it and just being like, that's who they are forever. Um, I've had that before. My first pastor, uh, not my very first pastor, but the first pastor I worked for at my home church, saw me a certain way because... Uh, I had been in his church, and he never let that go. Like, he just never changed that, never had uh, the respect for me as a pastor that, that maybe he could have. Um, not that I was perfect at all, but, but it's like he held on to that judgment, and sometimes we do that. That is where it gets bad. So right now, David's done nothing wrong. He has an initial thought. And so we're going on. Uh, he sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, uh, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Uh, she had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period, then retur she returned home. Important scripture. Uh, later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. So here we got a couple of turning points. So he sent someone to find out who she was. Again, that's not bad. Uh, you see someone that you're interested in at the school, have one of your friends go ask their name, that's fine. He finds out she's married. He's the king. Not only is he the king, he's the king of Israel, so he's supposed to be an example of God. He's called frequently a man after God's own heart. He had killed Goliath. He had uh, saved the nation. He had done all of these things. And more than that, he had been uh, attacked by a king who had lost his way too, Saul. And so he knew the wrong path, and he knew what was right. And yet, after he finds out she's married, instead of saying, oh, man, well, it is what it is, and moved on, he calls her to him. Uh, now, obviously, she has free will, too, but this is a time where the king calls you, you're doing what the king says. And so, again, she's not exempt here, but this is David making another bad choice. And then we get to another one, where he finds out that he had an affair, uh, not only did he have an affair, but her husband is fighting for him in his war. Uh, and then he finds out that she's pregnant. Now again, he has this chance. Even though he's done the wrong thing already, he has this chance to say, Oh man, I can't believe that I gave in on this. Now I really, everybody's going to know I've got to come clean. Um, I will tell you this. 
So obviously, all of you guys, none of you have ever had issues with your parents. You've never had arguments. You've never disobeyed them. I get that. But let's pretend for a second that you do or you ever have. Sometimes uh, we argue even when we know we're wrong or we're on the wrong side. We argue just to argue. And adults do this too. I will tell you this. What, what is the most respected thing that you can do is admit when you're wrong. Uh, that may not mean, like, if you do something wrong and, you know, you're fighting with your parents and then you say, you know what, I was wrong, that's not necessarily going to mean that they're going to be like, oh, you're not grounded anymore. You might still have consequences, but, man, they're going to respect that. They're going to be like, okay. Uh, and, and, you know, same for adults. Like, we sometimes struggle with this, but when you admit that you're wrong, that shows that you're not too full of yourself. It shows that you're willing to grow. And so David had done something wrong. He knows that it's wrong. And so he has this chance to be like, Bathsheba, we, we messed up. We got to go to Uriah first. And we got to call him back and we got to tell him what happened. And man, I'm going to apologize. And again, David is the king. So Uriah is not going to punch him. Like nothing bad is going to happen to David. So he's kind of got a little bit better than what we have. But he could have done that. He could have said, you know what? Uh, let's, let's tell the world. Let's do whatever. Like he could have owned up to it. And so we go on. Obviously, by the way I'm talking, you know that he didn't. Uh, then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. Again, so far it's like, eh, that's not the wrong thing. Maybe he's going to tell him. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go on home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah uh, after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night in the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home... He summoned him and asked, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? Uriah replied, the ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents, and Joab and my master's men are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. So this is interesting because David, again, is a man after God's own heart, and he's the king, and he just got shamed by the guy that he cheated on the wife of. So his goal in sending him home was so that he would sleep with his wife and then everything's good. Like he doesn't have to own up because it's like, oh, well, it's clearly Uriah's because there's no Jerry Springer. There's no any what like DNA testing. Like it's, that is what it is. And so Jerry Springer also used to be the mayor of Cincinnati. Congratulations. And so um, it's, he, he, Uriah is like, yeah, I can't have comfort. Like, all of my friends are fighting right now. Like, how can I do this? And so he stayed there. He is what David is supposed to be. This regular person, this soldier, is doing what David is supposed to be. And so David, again, is like, ah, you, you go home. You know, uh, and so, what, uh, well, stay here today, David told him. And tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again, he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. So just to recap David so far, David saw someone that he was attracted to. He sent someone to find out who she is and what her situation was, uh, her ASL, back in tech speak, age, sex, location, like, anyway. So, uh, anyway, so he sent to ask who she is, find out about her. He finds out she's married. His first wrong step is, I don't care, I do what I want, I'm the king. Finds out she's pregnant. His next wrong step is, I'm going to bring her husband. Obviously, I'm going to bring her husband back to try to cover this up. And then he doesn't. And so what does he do? Does he say, man, Uriah tried to trick you. And I really, I've messed up twice. And I'm so sorry. I'm your king. So obviously, you're not going to be that mad at me. But come on. Like, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. No. He says, you know what? I'm going to get him drunk and see if you, now he'll go home. Like, see if he'll forget 
his morals and the reason that he wasn't uh, going home, the reason that he was worried, the reason that he cared about my country that I'm leading. And so that doesn't work too. And so he's now at this crossroads yet again. This is not just a regular person. Now he's a person, he's like us, but he is the king. And he is the example of God on earth at this time. And he has followed God every step of the way. And like I said at the beginning, he's seen what it's like when the king turns against God. He has literally fought against that king. And so he continues to compound what he's doing. Because here's the thing. As I said in the beginning, and I hold to it, no matter what decisions you make, if you make a wrong decision, if you make a wrong turn, there's always a chance to ask forgiveness. There's always a chance to admit you're wrong, and God will help you. And you may pay consequences, but he will help you through it, and he will help you to know how to deal with it. But if you don't do that, we tend to cover it up with something else and then with something else. So if you steal something from the store, and then you're like, ah, you know what, I didn't like to do this, but I really needed that candy bar and that magazine because they were so important, and it was about the royal family, and man, I care about that. It's not stupid stuff. And it's like, and so you needed to have that magazine and candy bar. And you're like, I'll, I'll just, I'll buy extra next time I go to the store and it'll be okay. And then your parents, they see that. They're like, where'd you get money for that? I didn't think you had any money. Oh yeah, I borrowed money from my friend. And then you're lying. And then you bring your friend in. And so then your friend comes over and like, hey, thanks so much for giving my daughter, my son money. And they're like, uh, what? And they're like, yeah, remember, nudge, nudge. And then you're making them lie. You're bringing somebody else in. And then, you know, down the line, somebody else comes in and over and over and over again. You have to remember your lies. You have to keep them straight. You have to worry about it all the time. And it's just constant stress just to cover up this one thing that, that is wrong. But honestly, it wouldn't have been that bad because that, that stealing, it's wrong. Uh, probably your parents are going to make you take it back to the store and apologize then you're probably going to get grounded. That's it. That's not like a death sentence. You're not going to prison. You're not going to military school, uh, whatever else. Like, it's, it's fine. Now, we don't want that. We don't want to be grounded. We don't want to be thought of bad. But again, that's not that bad. But the more you lie and the more you lie and the more you cover it up, the worse it gets and the worse it gets. So David, who knows all of this and teaches all of this and prays all of this and has seen all of this, is now at this point where he's uh, committed adultery. Ten Commandments sin. Uh, he has lied about it and tried to cover it up. And then he got somebody drunk and tried to make them go against their morals and tried to cover that up. And now it's like, well, he can't get any worse. Obviously, he's going to finally apologize. Uh, so the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. That is going to be very, very cruel in just a second. The letter instructed Joab, uh, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. So here we go. Recap David again. David saw somebody that he was attracted to. He's the king. He doesn't do anything wrong there. He asked for her name, number, gets it. Like, hey, she's married. Not only is she married, she's married to somebody who's in your army. Doesn't stop there. Doesn't care. Because he's bigger than that. He's better than that. He, he'll be okay. He's the king. And so he sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. Covers it up. Tries to, uh, continues to lie about it. Tries to get the husband to cover it up. Tries to make the husband into somebody he's not. And then he hands the husband a letter. And it's sealed by the king, so the husband cannot open it. He hands him the letter. And in that letter it says, hey, 
Take Uriah to the front lines and then pull back so he dies. He's carrying his own execution notice. This is David who has killed Goliath, who is God's, a man after God's own heart, who serves God, who is the king, who leads God's chosen people. And he is literally sending someone to tell others to murder him. That's messed up. And this all started with him seeing someone and then once he found out that it was the wrong thing, just letting it go. Like being like, hey, I can do what I want. And lying about it and covering it up. And now it's built to this horrible, horrible, as bad as it could possibly get thing. Again, you're not perfect. One of the things that I say, and I say this a lot because it's important to know, uh, not just for you guys, but for all of us, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up sometimes. You're going to hit a candy bowl and possibly flip it and really throw yourself off. Uh, You're going to, at some point, hurt somebody's feelings or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. You're going to have a bad day and you're going to hurt somebody. Now, what I say is, and what I mean is, and what I believe myself is, you can look at that as, oh, I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm going to hurt people. Whatever I can do, I can live, and then I'll ask for forgiveness later. That's not the right thing. But to take that into your heart and be like, you know what, if I do mess up, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to own up to it. Because that's the right thing. Because everybody else messes up too. And so if you own up to it right away, you've done the wrong thing, you've said the wrong thing, you've hurt somebody's feelings, you've gone against your parents' rules, you've cheated on a test, you've stolen something, whatever else. And you stop and you say, man, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done this. I was at a weak point. You're going to pay consequences probably. Sometimes people will be like, oh, you know what? Thank you for saying something. It's okay now. But most of the time, you're still going to pay consequences. But it's so much easier then than the farther it goes. Because David, even as king, pays a huge price for this. So basically, just to recap, or to tell you what happens after, uh, David goes on with it. Uriah's dead. He's covered it up. Not only did Uriah die, but other people fighting for him died that had nothing to do with this. Now, Uriah obviously was innocent too. Uh, And so all of this has happened. David's the king. He's fine. Bathsheba gives birth. He's like, yeah, whatever. But then God is always there. And he sends Nathan, who's a prophet. And Nathan's like, he tells him this story. uh, And basically, just to paraphrase the story, he's like, yeah, there was this rich guy who... uh, had everything. And then there was this poor guy who only had one lamb. And the rich guy wanted that lamb. He's like, yeah, I need this lamb. And so he went and got it. And David freaks out. He's like, we got to go after this guy. He's got everything and he's taking from somebody who has nothing. And Nathan's like, yeah, sound familiar? And he was like, what are you talking about? Because David was kind of dumb right now. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, this is what you did. You took Uriah's wife. You have literally everything. You could have any woman in the world. You have wives. You took Uriah's wife. And David is floored because the other thing about things we do, it always comes out eventually. The truth always comes out eventually. And if you're at the forefront of it and you admit it, man, it's so much better. And I tell you this, and you may not believe me, but it really is so much more respectful. Like you can do the wrong thing. Don't. I'm not saying go do the wrong thing. But you could disobey your parents, just for example, and then admit to them, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. And like I said, still pay consequences. And it's not going to be like, oh, I'm so glad you disobeyed me so we can have this conversation. But they're not going to lose their trust in you then. But if they find out on their own, whew, just like you. Like imagine if somebody, one of your friends was talking behind your back. And, and they eventually come like, man, you know, I was talking about you. I'm so sorry. Can you forgive me? You're going to be hurt. But you're probably going to forgive them. And you're like, I might not tell you some stuff for a while. But, you know, we're, we're good. We'll be good. But imagine if you find out on your own how much matter you're going to be and how much more hurt you're going to be. And that can just destroy the relationship. 
David was told by God what he'd done wrong. And so, unfortunately, like the baby died. And that was one of the consequences. Uh, A lot of people died. That was one of the consequences. Even though David was the king, a lot of people never looked at him the same after that. However, and this is where it gets positive again. um, David fell on his knees and said, man, this is too late coming. But God, I'm sorry. Please help me. Please forgive me. And God forgave him. Because God didn't say, yeah, you had your chance. You know, you made this decision wrong. You made this decision wrong. You made this decision wrong. He said, we're good. Now, David still had the consequences. People still looked at him wrong because God may not remember, like, hold on to your sins, but other people will. Because that's another thing with coming clean early. But David eventually helped to build the temple again, and he brought people back to God. He did the right thing again. But he always carried that he could have done it before. And it wasn't even that initial sin. It's all the cover-ups and all the other things and everything else that fell on top of it. Again, especially at your age, but always, uh, you're going to feel this pressure to be perfect. And you're going to feel like everybody's judging you no matter what you do. And you're going to feel like everybody's on your case all the time. And I get that. Because again, at your guys' age, uh, like half the people in your lives are saying, act your age, grow up, be mature. And the other half are saying, yeah, your opinion doesn't matter, you're a kid. And that's very confusing, and it's hard. And sometimes it's the same people saying both things. And it's hard. And so you're going to feel like, ah, nobody cares. And once you feel like nobody cares, then it's that much easier to give in to things, the temptations and the bad things. And you're like, you're caught. But there's always a way out. For every wrong turn, there's always a GPS. God, I'm not going to do the PS, just God. And he will help you. And he will forgive you. If you ask him, and you mean it, please forgive me. Help me to learn from this. Boom. It's done. You don't have to sacrifice a goat. You don't have to do anything else. Again, there may be other consequences. But he will forgive you, and he will help you to move on. And so learn from that. Because, like I said, you're going to make a wrong turn at some point. You're going to. Every adult in here could tell you that at some point in our lives, we did the wrong thing. We're not proud of it, and we learned from it. We're here for a reason, but we did the wrong thing. And so we got forgiven, and we moved from it. We learned from it, because you're not going to be perfect. But God is, and his love for you is, and that's what's so amazing. And so David, nobody in here is ever going to do anything a fraction of as bad as David did. I hope. But nobody in here is ever going to do anything as bad as David did. Because again, adultery, lying, corrupting someone else, uh, lying again, and then murder. It's a really bad weekend. It's a lot of bad stuff. You're not going to do that. And so put that into perspective with what you do. Uh, Again, it doesn't mean, oh man, my sin's okay, so I'm okay. No, no, no. But it's like, okay, so if David was forgiven for this, I'm going to be forgiven. All I have to do is ask. That's what's so important to me about this series. Because the turning points are important. And the decisions you face, they're important. And if something is important to you, it's important. It doesn't matter if other people see it. It doesn't matter if other people think it's important. If something's important to you, it's important. But when you mess up, stop right there. And no matter how hard it is, be willing to say, I messed up. And I tell you, you may get in trouble. You may have some consequences, whatever. It's going to be so much better then. And people will see you so much differently then than how they even saw David after he was forgiven. But everything that he'd done, all the people that lost their lives, all the people that were hurt by him just refusing to admit he was wrong. 
You guys are worth this. You are worth it. God loves you so much that no matter what you do, he still loves you. And so you can take that as assurance, as grace, as going into life, as going into college, as going into high school, as going into Europe, as going home and being like, okay, God loves me even when I'm not perfect. So I'm going to do my best and then I'm going to learn from everything I face. And that's literally all you can do. Do your best. And when you mess up, when you take a wrong turn, don't wait until you've made it so much worse. Just stop there and be like, I made a wrong turn. Help me find the right path. And I promise you that there are people in your life that will help you. I know that even if you have a, a tumultuous relationship with your parents at times, they're going to listen if you come to them. And the adults in here are going to listen if you come to them. I'm going to listen if you come to me, not them. But if you come to us, your friends, I'm talking your Christian friends, the people that truly love you, they're going to listen. And so you're not in this alone. That's the other important thing. David never looked for help anywhere. And you notice, if you read Psalms and you read a bunch of Samuel and you read anything with David, a lot of it is David did this and then David prayed. David did this and then David prayed. Never once in this passage did David pray because he knew what he was doing was wrong. And yet, even David was forgiven. Consequences, but still forgiven. So you guys, God is with you. Keep going forward. Do everything you can and just do your best. Follow Him and trust Him. That's all I got.